is up everyone welcome back to another edition of the main event heat podcast i am your host rob weathers apologies for taking a week off from the show i wasn't feeling up to recording last week and i probably could have recorded something during the middle of the week but i like keeping things on on a regular basis i like i like putting the shows out every monday morning at seven o'clock eastern so i really didn't want to fuck with the formula so just went ahead and took the week off and it wound up working out because we got a couple of questions in the inbox that we're going to answer this week on a special Q&A episode. I really do enjoy doing these. So if you guys like these kinds of episodes and if you have your own questions about the wrestling business in general or my personal experience in the business or just anything wrestling adjacent, you can send your questions to maineventheat at yahoo.com and I will be sure to talk about them here on the show. But let's go ahead and get into it really quick. The first question comes from Thomas. This one, uh, the, the gist of what he's saying, it's a pretty long paragraph here, but basically the gist of what Thomas is asking here is, what do I think about the Sasha Banks and Naomi situation that transpired last week? For those of you guys that aren't familiar with that situation, Sasha Banks and Naomi are the current WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Last week, they were supposed to participate in a six-pack challenge to crown the number one contender to go against, I believe it's Bianca Belair for her women's title. I think Naomi was supposed to win the match, and basically the creative was going to be Sasha Banks and Naomi were going to put their focus on the two women's world champions, Ronda Rousey and uh, Bianca Belair, and not worry about defending their tag team belts at all. And basically, the tag team belts were going to mean jack shit. And they they had a bit of a problem with that. You know, they have all of these ideas, and they felt like they weren't being listened to. And they heard some things from maybe some of the writers, some of the people in upper management that they didn't want to hear. So they just packed their bags and fucking left. As far as what I think about that situation goes, I'll, I'll tell you this much. You know, I... I obviously have never worked for a company anywhere near the size of the WWE, but I have, in fact, worked on wrestling shows where I was doing something I didn't want to do. It was not to the same degree as this, but it was something that creatively, even if I I thought that I was into it in the beginning, once we actually started doing it, I realized I wasn't very much a fan of what we were doing. Now, with that being said, the last time I was in this position and having to, let's say, play this role that I I no longer was comfortable playing, trust me, the thought ran through my mind constantly throughout that morning, I should just get in the car and fucking leave. I was never going to do that. Because the way I see it, if you're paying me and, and you have advertised me, in any capacity or advertise my character in any capacity, I'm going to fucking be there. And, you know, we'll, we'll save any problems I have until after the show. So if I have any problems with how it was handled, it would probably be that. I just, I think no matter the situation, just leaving the venue like that before the show is never a good look. Personally, if, if, if I was in their position, I would have went to, 
whoever it mattered to before the match. I would have waited for the show to start, probably a couple of segments before the match, gone to whoever was producing the match or whatever, be it Fit Finley or, or, or if they needed to go to Bruce Pritchard, whatever the fuck, and told them, look, you might want to change the finish to somebody going over other than Naomi because the second we do this job, we're fucking out of here and we're not coming back until shit changes. That's what I would have done. Now... That's in the past. That's hindsight, of course. As far as being upset over your creative, look, it was bad creative. You know, I mean, that's my thing is it's the WWE. Both of these women have worked for the company for what fucking around a decade each, if I'm not mistaken. They should know by now that they it's a lot of bad creative. And this is not the first time that Sasha Banks has walked out of the company over some fuck shit before. So, you know, they're in a position where... Whether anybody likes it or not, they can get away with doing this because they are draws. Uh, Sasha Banks is probably the biggest draw in that women's division, objectively. I know that you can make the argument that that Becky is up there with her and Rousey, at least as far as the casual fans are concerned. But honestly, I think if we were to look at the hard numbers, Sasha's probably the biggest draw. And even if Naomi isn't the second biggest draw, she is related by marriage to the biggest draw in the company being Roman Reigns. So it's one of those things that going out in this kind of protest, I think that they are going to wind up getting what they want out of this because they are who they are. And when some people hear that, they might get upset about that and think that they're they're snot-nosed or whatever the fuck. I, I don't really think so. You know, in this business, even though we're portraying characters, and that's everybody on the show, even at the broadcast booth, like I'm... I'm using my real name, but I'm being this character. The broadcaster Rob Weathers is not the real Rob Weathers, you know? Even though we are we are all playing these characters and this is quote-unquote not real, this is all we've got. What happens outwardly like that, what the fans see, that's all that, that these performers have. And whenever you're doing something... That you know, not even a matter of like, I think it doesn't make sense. You fucking know it doesn't make any sense. And you have these ideas that that not just benefit you, but they benefit all the other performers around you. And they benefit your company as a whole. And your company is just not listening to them. Look, if you've got the stroke to say, fuck this, I'm out for a little while, take it. You know, if if I had that kind of stroke in certain situations, I'd love to do it. But I don't. The thing is, at the end of the day, WWE can handle this however they want to handle it. If they want to handle this by firing Sasha Banks and Naomi, they can absolutely do that. They're the employer. They have that right. But I I think that best case scenario for everybody is if they bring in Sasha and Naomi for a meeting and they actually discuss what are things that they can do better as a company because... If you really think about this, a lot of wrestling fans, including myself, don't watch the WWE because of the creative. And for me, it's more because of the production. There's a, you know, it's, it's with the commentary and with the overall presentation of the show is why I don't. But the creative, nine times out of ten, isn't very good. If they could take some advice from the talent, the people that they are sending out to the ring, take their advice on what they can do to be better, that's a win-win for everybody. So that's kind of where I sit. You know, I I do believe that 
every performer should be able to stand up for themselves and know their worth. But at the same time, you know, they open themselves up for potential consequences. Like I said, if WWE wants to fire them or do whatever the fuck else they want to do, that's their right as their employer. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that, what's that phrase that people bring up whenever it comes to freedom of speech? Freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. That's basically what we've got going on here. I applaud Sasha and Naomi for standing up for themselves, but if WWE winds up handling this in a way that the fans aren't happy with, that's kind of just an, an oh well situation. They have the right to do that. Friend of the show, Steven, sent me in a whole list of, of questions. I'm going to save a couple of these for a future Q&A episode because some of these I actually think are really, really good topics that I can I can delve into pretty, pretty deeply. But let's go ahead and just cover, let's say, a little, maybe about half of this list. Uh, first question that Steven asks is, do you consider it pro wrestling or sports entertainment? That is, that's a very interesting question because really nobody outside of the WWE says sports entertainment on TV, right? Like obviously you've got Chris Jericho's doing it now in AEW just to get heat. You know, he's calling his, his, his team, the Jericho Appreciation Society, he's calling themselves sports entertainers and they're doing it just to get heat, right? Because that word is so dirty to wrestling fans. No, it's fucking pro wrestling. It's not sports entertainment. Here's why I don't say sports entertainment. And it's not for the reason you might think. I don't say sports entertainment because I think when you put that word sport in it, that's when you confuse people. You have so many people like like people that don't like wrestling a lot of times they like aggressively don't like wrestling. I've met very few people in my life that I've talked to about wrestling and they just shrug their shoulders. Yeah, I never watched it. I've met very few people that had that kind of reaction. Most people that I bring up wrestling around that that don't watch wrestling, they just like, oh, it's so fucking stupid, that fake bullshit. And I think the reason that the fake word gets thrown around as much as it does is because that word sport gets used. I don't like whenever wrestling gets referred to as a sport at all. Sports entertainment is a good way to describe it because it is entertainment. It's Broadway with body slams is exactly what it is. I use the the comparison. It's a television show. It is a television show and a professional wrestling show are not different with the exception of wrestlers are doing their own stunts. That's the, that's the only difference. But yeah, I, I do not say sports entertainment specifically because I don't think the word sport should be used. I believe it is an athletic performance. Absolutely. The people that do this are athletes. But whenever you say sport, that is insinuating that it is a competition, it is point-based, and there are actual winners and losers. There are people actually competing against each other, when in actuality, it's, it's a television show. It's, it's, it's a scripted form of entertainment. That is why I never say sports entertainment. I just call it pro wrestling. So yeah, a little bit of a different answer than most people would give. Next question from Steven is, which WrestleMania is your favorite and why? Personally, I know a lot of people will say 17. And look, 17's a fucking banger and is a close second for me. Personally, I'm going to say 19. You know, that's the one that had Brock and Kurt Angle, which was fantastic. That was the one for me. The big thing was we had Rock and Austin's last match was on that show. 
19 was just such a banger. It, 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 it was kind of the start, really, of that ruthless aggression era. The attitude era had finally began really fading into the distance. A lot of people say that it ended in 2001. It slowly started to fade in 2001 after after WrestleMania 17. The attitude era, I think, had officially ended by the time we got to WrestleMania 19. And the beginning of the ushering in of that new ruthless aggression era was pretty sweet. And there was a lot of great stuff on WrestleMania 19. Uh, as far as match quality between 19 and 17, I think they're both bangers. And if you either haven't seen them or haven't seen them in a long time, everybody listening should go watch both 17 and 19. For me, I'm a sucker for a great setting. And I just think that Safeco Field in Seattle was just such a cool look for 19. Baseball stadiums and wrestling, I think I've talked about it on the show a couple of times before. We, we definitely talked about it whenever we reviewed the AAA show a few weeks ago. If you can pull off a wrestling show in a baseball stadium, it just looks so fucking cool. And yeah, the WrestleMania 19 at Safeco Field was crazy. And, uh, you know, I, I know that Limp Biscuit is a meme for a lot of people, but they did perform a couple of times on the night. They performed Rollin' while The Undertaker made his entrance. And then they came out later in the night to perform the WrestleMania 19 theme song, Crack Addict, which, you know, I know the name is stupid, but honestly, Crack Addict is a fucking banger. And I love that song, and the performance was really cool. So yeah, 19, I would say, stands out as my favorite. Another very interesting question on here is, do you listen to any other pro wrestling podcasts? I don't listen to anyone on a regular basis, but every once in a while, I do want to hear what other people have to say about what's going on in the industry. And whenever that does happen, the people that I listen to, uh, a show that I really enjoy is called Going In Raw. It is hosted by these guys, Steven Larson. They've been doing this podcast for, I think, like like eight, eight years, I want to say, seven or eight years. I, I listened to the very first episode of Going In Raw they did. I listened to all of their top 10 content stuff that they used to do before they started doing the wrestling podcast. And yeah, uh, I really enjoy their takes because like myself, they try to not be pessimistic on their shows. They try to, to be as positive as they possibly can. And they also, and this is something that a lot of wrestling podcasts really need to take note of, they understand that they are fans, and they have a fan's perspective. They never once try to sit here and act like they know how to book a show better than Vince McMahon or better than Tony Khan or better than Scott Demore. They they talk about from their perspective, and that's it. And I really, really enjoy that. I have stopped listening to certain other shows that I'm not going to say their name on here because I don't want to actively bury anybody. But there's a lot of fans in the business that think that they know more about wrestling than the people that are in the business. And that just comes off really fucking condescending and ridiculous to me, and I can't stand it. Going in Raw is not like that, though. So whenever I do want to hear a solid fan's perspective on something, I love listening to those guys. Uh, Somebody that I don't agree with very often... But I do like listening to his clips once in a blue moon is Jim Cornette. Now, before I scare off anybody that doesn't like Jim Cornette, let me explain myself. I firmly believe that, and this isn't just with wrestling, this is with anything that you love. You cannot go your whole life only listening to the opinions that you agree with. You need to hear both sides of everything. Jim Cornette, as most people know, doesn't like a lot of what happens in professional wrestling nowadays. And I know that people have heard me say, I literally just said it a minute ago, I don't like being pessimistic on my show. 
I like hearing people that have these negative opinions to see if it changes my opinion in any way or if what they're saying makes any kind of sense. I'll give you an example. Cornette fucking hates Kenny Omega. I don't hate Kenny Omega. I actually like Kenny a lot. I think he's a very talented professional wrestler. Most of the time when Cornette rants about Kenny Omega, he just calls him names and he never actually explains it. He's like, fucking twinkle toes, make finger bang, motherfucker, whatever he says, right? Whenever he actually explains why he doesn't like Kenny, like he had an episode one time where he said that he doesn't like how he telegraphs everything that he's going to do. Because in a kayfabe sense, no wrestler should ever get beaten by Kenny. They should be able to reverse every single thing that he does because he telegraphs every single thing that he does. He's constantly pointing where he's going to go before he goes there. That's a great fucking point. And even though I am a Kenny Omega fan, that makes a lot of sense, actually, from a kayfabe perspective. So that's why I like listening to Jim. Even whenever he says shit that I don't agree with, sometimes there's some nuggets in there that actually do make a lot of sense. You have to get through a lot of the name calling and the profanity and the bullshit to get there sometimes. But like I said, he has, he's been in the business for a very long time. He clearly knows something that we don't know, but yeah, you got to siphon through a lot of bullshit to get there. So every once in a while, whenever something polarizing happens in wrestling, I want to hear what Jim has to say, just because even if I don't agree with it, I'm sure if you can cut through all the bullshit, he'll actually make sense somewhere. Another one that I like listening to, this isn't really a, a podcast. It's somebody, funny enough, somebody that doesn't care about Jim Cornette very much these days. But uh, it, it's this this YouTube channel called Wrestling With Regret, hosted by this guy Brian Zane. Brian does a lot of these classic pay-per-view reviews and things of that nature on his channel. I'm a really big fan of his classic reviews. He does review uh, newer stuff, like like some of the weekly shows. I don't watch those too much because I myself don't actually keep up with a lot of weekly TV. I I watch the pay-per-views. I watch AEW's pay-per-views. I watch most of Impact's pay-per-views, and I'll catch a, a WWE Big Four show every once in a while. But whenever he goes and does these classic reviews, I actually really enjoy those. So yeah, check out Wrestling With Regret on YouTube. I really like that guy. Just a couple of more questions from Steven here before we wrap up this week's Q&A episode. This one is a very timely question, and I'm glad you asked this, Steven. Who was your favorite wrestler growing up as a kid? I had a few. It was, I, I never had, like, there was always, like, that one guy that I was super huge into. It, it kind of rotated. It cycled in and out. And I've talked on the show a little bit before. If you guys go back and listen to the pilot episode, I talked about how as a kid, I almost never got to watch that second hour of Raw during the Attitude Era because my parents would send me to bed at 9 o'clock. So I watched a lot of the mid-card guys. I watched a lot of the guys that were that were vying for the hardcore belt and the European belt. I've said before the European title was my world title. So a lot of those mid-card guys I fucking loved. Huge X-Pac fan. I, I really enjoyed X-Pac. I've talked a lot about how D-Generation X was my first memory in professional wrestling. So huge X-Pac fan. Shane McMahon as European champion. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Look, I, I, I totally understand there are good reasons to not care for Shane McMahon as far as being a wrestler goes in today's day and age. 
but fucking 20 something years ago, like Mean Street Posse era Shane McMahon, fuck you. That shit was great. I absolutely loved European champion Shane McMahon. That match with him and Kurt Angle, I've talked about it before, one of my absolute favorite matches. I liked Al Snow and all the, the Job Squad guys. And one of my absolute favorites, uh, somebody that I used to quote in the playground at school all the time was none other than the road dog Jesse James. And I am so pleased to segue this into a huge announcement. We have finally made this announcement with IWM, but road dog Jesse James will be coming to the big IWM birthday bash show with Main Event Wrestling from Georgia on July 23rd in Thomaston, Georgia. Not only is Road Dog going to be appearing on that show, but he's going to be sitting in as my new broadcast partner. You heard that right. Road Dog is going to be doing color commentary for the Main Event Wrestling from Georgia broadcast sitting right fucking next to me. And I am over the moon. Whenever the promoter told me that we were bringing in Road Dog, I looked him dead in the eyes and said, do not fuck with me because that would be very mean of you if you were fucking with me right now because no bullshit, Road Dog was one of my absolute favorites. I used to do the whole fucking, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I used to do that shit all the time as a kid. I was I was getting in trouble constantly in the principal's office for telling everybody to suck it. I have this weird memory as a kid, like, you, you know, whatever... Whenever Road Dog would would do do the whole fucking speech, and you know he would always be like, you know, it's the Road Dog Jesse James, the badass Billy Gunn. Whenever he would do the ending part of his speech, I remember one time whenever he teamed up with Kane. I think this was when Kane and X Pac were a tag team, and this was right before the big DX split. So Road Dog had teamed up with Kane one time, and just remembered him doing, you know, it's the Road Dog Jesse James and that big old red machine. I just something about that popped me. Like I, it's such a goofy memory to have, but like I was eight years old, I was easy to please. But yeah, just I'm 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 getting giddy talking about it right now. Like I I I was talking to Scott Armstrong about it yesterday. Road Dog's brother, he's our senior official in IWM. And me and him were talking about this yesterday, and and he just he saw the huge smile on my face. He recorded an interview with our vice president Mac Davis, and I was filming the interview. And the whole they even pointed out during the interview that I was behind the camera, just just giddy as a schoolgirl. So yeah, the, those are some of my favorites as a kid. Like I said, it rotated. Road Dog was definitely a top five favorite of mine throughout the entirety of my childhood. So for sake of argument, let's just go ahead for right now, say Road Dog. One more fun question from Steven before we wrap this up. He, uh, like I said, he did ask a few questions, but I want to save these for the next Q&A episodes because we could do a, a really great deep dive on some of these. But here's, here's the last one we're going to do today. Have you learned to do a moonsault yet? Don't say you can't because Vader and Bam Bam did it. So a little uh, peek behind the curtain there. I told Steven a few months ago that I had started doing some wrestling training. I haven't done much since then because my trainer is in the process of moving out of state. So it's it's been this whole thing. But uh, yeah, Steven kept asking me, 
if I was going to learn how to do a moonsault. And I have kept telling him no. And he just, oh, Vader did it. I'll give you a Vader bomb, Steven. That's the best I can do. I'm not doing a moonsault. And it has nothing to do with me being fat. Look, I've lost almost 30 pounds in the last few months. I'll be, I'll be a proper sweet, sexy Rob this time next year. Trust me. But I am so terrified of heights. First of all, you're not going to get me going to the top rope to begin with. Vader bomb I can swing because he stands on the middle rope and he holds on to the top rope the whole time that he does it. That'll do. I am so terrified of heights. And I know Cody Rhodes said the same shit. He was terrified of heights, but he still did the moonsault off the cage. Fuck him. If you can do a moonsault off the cage, you're not as scared of heights as you think you are. So, Steven, I hate to break your heart, buddy. I, I know you think it would look cool. Trust me. My clumsy ass, it would be the worst decision I ever made in my life trying to go to the top rope and do a moonsault. I can promise you that at some point in time in the future, I will get video of myself doing a Vader bomb. It might be me doing it to a crash pad, but I can get you that footage. I'm not doing a fucking moonsault, though, so let's just leave it at that. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Main Event Heat. I hope you enjoyed this nice little question and answers episode. If you have your own questions that you would like to get answered, please send them to maineventheat at yahoo.com. I guarantee you we will talk about them here on the show. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can do so by finding at SweetSexyRob on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to support the Main Event Heat podcast, the best way to do that is by picking up a t-shirt over at at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. We just put up a new design a couple of months ago. Go check that one out if you haven't already. And until next time, thanks for hanging out.